It's no secret that parking is a challenge at OHSU. As OHSU continues to grow, a number of strategies are being developed to improve access. It's Tuesday, November 27th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. Kelsey Hewalt sat down with Christine Giotti, Charlie Gannon, and Jenny Cadigan from Transportation and Parking to discuss the move to daily parking permits and other strategies to help alleviate some of OHSU's parking challenges. Well, thank you guys for sitting down with us. Um, so to start, can you guys just introduce yourselves and what you do at OHSU? I'm Charlie Gannon. I'm a commute coordinator for Transportation and Parking. I'm Christine Giotti. I'm the customer service manager for Transportation and Parking. I'm Jenny Cadigan, Program Manager, Transportation and Parking. So we're talking today about the move to daily parking permits. Um, Can you guys explain a little bit more of what led to that decision and why this is important? Earlier this year, we completed uh, the OHSU Transportation Demand Management Plan. And this was a project that looked at how we can improve access to OHSU over the next 10 years. As an institution, we're growing very rapidly and our parking capacity is not growing. So as much as possible, we need to give ways for our employees to get to work in ways without having to drive alone. So there was a lot of strategies that came out of that plan, 34 to be precise, and daily parking was one of those. And the idea behind daily parking is to remove the sunk cost of the parking permit. So everybody who's on an annual parking permit There's motivation to drive every day once you have that permit. Basically, you get more bang for your buck if you drive every day. And the decision making is already taken out of it. So what we are doing is transitioning from annual permits to daily permits to make the commute more of a conscious decision. So we know that some people need to drive every day. We know that some people could probably drive only a few days a week and find alternatives. So we want to create a more flexible parking structure where people are only charged for the days that they need to drive and incentivize other options other days of the week. So we've had a lot of people, I've been here for five five and a half years, and we've had a lot of people who have requested being able to just pay for when when they're driving. So they have an annual permit, but they want to take the bus two days a week, and they can because it works with their schedule. So is there a way for them to have a, a different permit where they get charged less? And that hasn't been possible until now. So if you want to bike during the summer and then drive during the, the winter months, you absolutely can. It will actually cost you less over the total year than you're paying now for a full-time annual permit. And what this also means is people won't be paying for their parking permit on holidays, on vacation, when they're sick. They are really only paying for it when they do drive. So what will this look like logistically when if you currently have a permit and you need to set it up that you're doing daily parking? Do you have to go in every single day and reserve a spot? How will that work? We're hoping to keep it as seamless and easy as possible. So folks with annual permits currently are conditioned to not really have to do much. There's not much action required for those permits, and we're trying to keep that same ease of access available to them. Um, We're going mostly actually full automation, essentially just a scan of the badge to get into your parking facility, which tells your My Commute calendar that you parked, and it adds the charge. Um, For those who opt out of parking and instead bike or something, it's just a simple drag and drop of an icon to earn an incentive and, and avoid that parking cost. So to reiterate, no. If you currently have an annual parking permit, you will not be required to do any reservation when 
your transition to the daily model. And is it going to cost me any more if I parked every day? So there is a possibility that you could pay more to park if um, you're a high-frequency parker, and I mean like super high-frequency you park Monday through Friday almost every week, hardly take off for vacation, you're never sick. It could cost you more to park. It wouldn't be exponential, but the, the possibility is there. But we did a lot of research going into this and found that most parkers park on average eight weekdays per pay period. So the price model is based around that. So the average parker will break even, um, and hopefully they'll challenge themselves to park less to to save money instead of pay more. Um, for those who are paying more, you know, maybe their challenge is to do something maybe once a month to offset parking costs and, and hit that break even point. So for the Night Cancer Research Building, there are first group of parkers who've transitioned from annual parking to daily. Um, and had they not been transitioned to the daily model, that would have been a four diamond facility at $99.50 per pay period. And so we've been on the daily model at KCRB for about three months now. And the average parker is paying varies from pay period to pay period, but usually between 60 and $80 per pay period. So um, a lot of those parkers, the majority of them are paying less than they would have if they were at the flat four diamond rate. So those people who currently have a permit, um, are they guaranteed a spot? What if they, I mean, is there a chance they wouldn't be able to find a spot? In parking world, there's always a chance for anything. So anything could happen, um, but we are, we're prepared for that. So in issuing these permits, we do have dedicated backup lots, if you will, um, just to sort of keep that first parking experience seamless and easy. And, you know, in the un unfortunate event that parking is full and they don't have a place to park, they will indeed have a place to park. On any given day, currently, we could have up to a thousand parkers who show up and don't have a parking spot. We oversell our lots because we know that parkers don't show up every single day. So it's um, the parking capacity is something we manage on a day-to-day -day basis, but we know that not everybody with a parking permit will show up every day. What kind of feedback have you gotten from those parkers at the KCRB that have been piloting this? The feedback has been interesting. It's been super dynamic. And right out of the shoot, it's just been very difficult because we're asking people to think on annual terms instead of per pay period terms. So it requires everyone to use their imagination a little bit. And the I kind of feel like a lot of the feedback that we're sourcing and the feedback that we're getting is a bit premature at this point, but we hope to see it evolve. There is a perception that they'll be paying more to park, um, just guaranteed. And you know, it's our job to sort of train them out of that mindset and, and say, you know, think about it annually, think about vacations. Um, but the price price has definitely been a, a big feedback item for sure. And the reality is for a lot of the KCRB parkers, the cost of their parking might be going up because they're transitioning from a one, two or three diamond permit on Markham Hill. And so even if they weren't transitioning to daily, they would have been transitioning to four diamond, which means their parking would have gone up. So parking at OHSU is tough no matter what. Like It's just one of the struggles. Why don't we charge patients for parking? I think it's a it's a patient's first environment and you know in in spirit of that we say patients don't pay to park. They're the ones that really need to be here and drive and it, their experience here is what is what really makes the difference. I think we could all do our part in you know sacrificing that spot and handing it off to them because they're the ones that need it most. 
And I'll also add that the hospital pays for patient parking. So every parking spot at OHSU is paid for. The patient parking costs are just paid for uh, by, the, by the hospital. So I know we've had this conversation before and it's been addressed in the comments before, but where do the revenues from permits and fees and all of that go? They, they go to maintaining parking structures, they go to management of parking, they go for, to paying for the parking structures. Um, a lot of them have, have ongoing costs associated with them, they all do, so they go to transportation and parking to maintain parking and to pay for some of the bike incentives and, and all of the other incentives that we, that we offer. Yeah, we have a number of alternatives. The liftoff program is a $15 credit to anybody who is uh, traveling to or from campus off hours. And, you know, $15 a head per day of people using that, that adds up. The bicycle incentive and walk incentive are $1.50 each per inbound trip. And, you know, the systems and the people that it takes to power those programs cost money too. So, But to see the parking revenue go into things like incentives and, you know, all that all the good positive stuff is is nice to see. So let's talk about some of those. What are some of the other options that have already come out or might be coming soon? So April was a huge launch for a lot of programs. Um, one of them was Scoop. So it's a peer-to-peer carpool networking app allowing employees and neighbors to pick each other up, drop them off at uh, school or work, however you identify OHSU, and it's subsidized by OHSU, so you know drivers receive a pretty fair reimbursement for picking up a coworker, and the riders pay a very small fee to get here. So we recently talked to a new scooper, and just want to share her story. Um, so she does not have priority parking. She has not gotten called off the wait list. So she is paying for daily permits um, every day on our Park Mobile site. So that's fifteen dollars a day post tax. Uh, which equates to about $150 per pay period. And so she learned, and she has to drive because of her school schedule, and so she learned about Scoop and immediately started doing it, both to work and from work, and has completely covered all of her parking costs in the past month with wow. with Scoop. So it does, it can add 10 to 15 minutes to your commute based on the match, um, and I, I know people value time, but if, if cost is a concern, parking costs, then that is an easy way to offset that. And another program that we have is the My Commute program, which is also housing the daily parking model, but built within that as well is a carpool networking tool. If you're you know, more into the formal carpool arrangement, um, the biking and walking incentives, as well as all other trip modes that you can log, such as you know carpools or ride house such as Lyft or Uber. It's a it's a dynamic portal just to log your commutes and track where you are and hopefully the goal is to get people in tune with their commutes so that they're being mindful and making decisions around that. I know if I see too many like ride house on my own computer, I, I become upset with myself and then I'm like I'm getting back on the bus. Um, so it's a good way to check in with yourself. There's also a guaranteed ride home service through there as well. So anybody who does take the bus or gets to work alternatively um, and you experience a, an emergency and need to get home quickly, um, the Guaranteed Ride Home service is there to, to give you a free lift ride home or to wherever you need to be to attend to that emergency. I think the Guaranteed Ride Home program is not well known, um, but it's a great program because we hear from people that, especially people with young kids, 
They're afraid to leave their car at home in case that there's an emergency, in case their kid is sick, in case, you know, X, Y, Z. And so having your car on campus is a little bit of a security net because in the event of an emergency, nobody wants to sit on a bus. Um, so it's this great safety net that we have for for everybody. Um, people get three a year. You can go on to the My Commute portal, request your own lift, lift code, and use it to go wherever you need to go. I personally am a, a biker, and I've used my guaranteed ride home twice. I have a, a child in daycare, and both times I was able to leave my bike here at work and get to her quickly, and it's it's fast. I know a lot of times people think of the guaranteed ride home as it used to be with TriMet when we had to call a taxi, and that could take an hour, and then the taxi would churn away because they couldn't find us, based because everybody knows the addresses are challenging here at OHSU. Um, and with the guaranteed ride home and using Lyft, we actually have pinpoints on the map, and you drop a pin for where you are, and the Lyft can get right to you, and it's you're off the hill in under 10 minutes and on your way. And it's actually really nice to not have to be driving when you're stressed too and concerned. Um, and they can get you to where you need to go. Another program I wanted to mention uh, that Charlie referenced earlier was Liftoff, which is uh, designed to serve the needs of people who have shifts that part of their shift is during regular bus hours or commuting hours, but then the other half of their shift either, either starts or ends during off time. So if you have a shift that starts or ends between 7 p.m. and 5.30 a.m., you can get a code to get a lift ride. So like if you start your shift at 5 a.m., you can go park at a park and ride and have a lift pick you up there and then get the code will allow the ride to be paid for. It'll drop you at work and then you get off at... 10 a.m. and you can take a bus back to that park and ride and get your car. So that's a really great program and it meets the needs of a lot of different shifts that we weren't able to really help before that only had driving as an option. I would say since we launched um, both the Scoop and Liftoff programs last April, we have about three to 400 employees using both of those programs. And we, we haven't dug into the data enough to tell uh, what how they were getting to campus before, but that's potentially you know, six, six to 800 people who we've been able to give a new option for. And I think especially for the, the Liftoff population, you know, those employees really had no other option than to drive. So it's been, we've heard tremendous feedback from, from those employees who finally have another option. So is this going to affect every type of permit? Um, telecommuting permits, annual permits? Eventually. What's the timeline on that? I would say over the next year to two, um, we will be transitioning all of our facilities over to daily parking. And there are a couple garages at the South Waterfront that are transitioning more soon. So at the end of December, we plan to transition RLSB over to the daily parking model. And then when the Rood Family Pavilion Garage opens, they will be on the daily model as well. So both of those facilities um, will be on the same model as KCRB and the same pricing structure. So what will the cost of parking be? The price will vary depending on the parker. And they have full control of how much they pay to park now, which is exciting. Um, the first eight days of the pay period are, are $12 a day. Um, the 9th and 10th are 15 Backpedaling to the eight shifts per pay period parked, that's the average. 
above that, it does have an inflated cost, and that inflated cost is designed to have that person check in with themselves and say, do I need to park this ninth or tenth day? Are there other days where I could maybe take alternatives instead? And if they can't, they can't. Maybe they'll make up for it later with vacation or sick time. Hopefully they're not paying more for parking, but it's designed to have parkers check in with themselves before they park and maybe pre-plan their, their pay periods. And just you know, to clarify, it's not the ninth and tenth day of the pay period, it's the ninth or 10th event. Parking event, yes. What Sorry. does that mean? How is that different? The 9th and 10th day of the pay period is always going to be on a Thursday and a Friday. So if you are parking only a few days of the week and you're also taking transit and biking, but you happen to park on that 9th and 10th day, as long as you haven't accrued at least eight other parking events, you will still be charged at the lower rate. So the, the increase in price is not tied to a day of the week. It's tied to the number of parking events you've had in the pay period. I know that can be confusing, so I just wanted to clarify. Think of it as a punch card. <laughs> Avoid that ninth and 10th punch. It's a way to keep our parking demand down um, and, and really trying to encourage people just one day a week, can they do something else? Or add a carpool partner, scoop, two days a pay period and you will at least offset the co the additional $3 per day that it's costing you to park on those days. And you'll probably make a little bit more money than $3 even. And you're helping someone out. Yes. How do each of you get to work? I'm an avid bus rider, and I do challenge myself to walk more. I live within three miles. I've walked to work before. It takes me 37 minutes, and I'll tell you, it takes me much longer on a bus. That's my goal, commute-wise, is to sort of lessen my bus rides and increase my walking so I can make more money. But I, I'm fine with the bus. I love the bus. Fun fact, I don't even have a driver's license, so you won't see me parking on campus. I bike to work. I bike to work from about mid-April to mid-October and take the bus the rest of the year. Thank you guys so much for talking about it. I know these are some tough questions, and it's a lot of planning you got going on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks. OHSE Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Kelsey Hewalt and edited by Josh Anderson. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.